Hey everybody, welcome uh, to Make Your Show Story Evolution. We are so excited to have uh, stage and screenwriter Jennifer Peterman and veteran actor Tony Head here to bring Jen's piece, Babe, to life. And we want to get going and uh, have uh, Tony read the piece. And then afterwards, we're going to give uh, a little back and forth about how the piece might translate into an on-camera story. Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about how Babe came to be and what its history has been till now. Well, I, I'm a New York City waitress, uh, about longer than would seem understandable, but about 10 years, <laughs> 10 years ago, I waited on a, on a couple. Um, I work in a steakhouse and they were uh, sitting at the, at the worst table in the house. And they occupied this table for about three hours and they, you know, they stuck out like sore thumbs. They weren't New Yorkers, they were deep, uh, deep, deep Southern draws, and they were in the middle of something which seemed, it just seemed so harrowing. They were holding each other's hands and the specificity of what they looked like and what they sounded like, her jewelry, his, you know, he took off this hospital bracelet and left it on the table and um, he was drinking Bud Longnecks and lining them up on the table and wouldn't let me remove them. So, you know, one after the other, after three hours, there's eight Bud Longnecks on the table. And I'm like, who are these people? And what are they going through? And after a three hour time with them, you know, the, the wife looks at me and they took interest in me and they were sweet and kind. And, you know, when you catch snippets of those conversations and all those specificities of, of their situation or their story, you know, your heart, my heart just kind of opened for them and they were so dear and kind. And I thought to myself, what, I don't know what they're, what they're going through, but it's something pretty deep. And um, the wife looked at me and she said, you know, you're, you must be an actress or a dancer or something because you just, you're too pretty and kind to be a waitress. And, I, you know, I just, you know, they're, I, get, I get emotional about them. So he came out of that. He came out of, you know, what were they going through and um, why the hospital and why the Bud Longnecks and why the, what's all that turquoise mean? And, you know, I sat down and just started daydreaming about who he was and what he was going through. I love that. <laughs> It's incredible how a moment like that can inspire this. Um, and they were in this little bubble all to themselves. And when I tell you it was the worst table in the house, they just were, they just were wrapped in this, in this protection with each other. It was, it was really very, very dear. Oh my gosh, that description is beautiful. <laughs> and so is your piece. Um, so I think, uh, are we ready? Sure, let's go ahead and have Tony read Babe. We hear a raucous, we hear a Connie Francis tune fade into the sound of a raucous bar, hooting and hollering, a crash of breaking glass, lights up on Babe, sitting at a bar, putting out a cigarette, opening a beer. He yells across the room. God, God, are you shitting me? Burn that ass now. People don't want cutters in their drink. Now, I'm not coming over there to tell you how to do your damn job. You don't want me to sit my wife on you, do you? I didn't think so. I like that kid. He's jittery. Well, I'd offer you some dude for you like that hydro haunted crap with all that blue head, and I'm not getting up to light my guitar on fire. I just want to ease the pains on it. You know what's fun about being a 
dying, man. You stopped giving a shit, man. Things you couldn't even imagine. Now, I haven't clipped my toenails in several weeks now. Wife got the drunk and did. She said she'd keep them in my casket and need to take to the afterlife. <laughs> Look here. So I'm changing the kids with cotton and look what I found. The white school this way last year. I thought I thought basically pick clean. Well, look at this. I about fall off my chair. I scanned the walls in the back. There are no pictures of this night. That's him in 1952. I think with Jimmy Day there, and that's my daddy. No, I, I was too young, but I. Remember, Daddy used to come home and say, there's this kid that played, he's going to be something else. That's not news. It's fucking Elvis. Holy shit. Well, now I know how to get Snake Atkinson's guitar back on my wall. Look at this. Plain as day. Now, Snake Gibson's, Snake's Gibson was hanging behind the drum set. Next morning, it wasn't. Look who was booked that week. Sleazy fucker. Never had him back. Took advantage of my good graces and the fact that I was, I was shit-faced, yeah. You're right. <laughs> you are right. Duke, the cards are just not more kind to me when I have whiskey. Still gonna make that phone call. Ronnie Hawkins, Bonnie Ridge. There's a guy. How did the Texas Air Force in July? I tell you what. No, please don't tell me that. I just told you not to tell me that. I'm married, man, devoted. And you should be ashamed of yourself. How was she? You know, I was a, I was a bad person. I, I did some bad things. Feel bad that that one little feeling that same here just about just about killed all I know. Crazy bitch. My, my dying advice to you: Don't fuck the crazy ones. They'll ruin you. Johnny Cash and me, good man, did me one of the best favors of my life. She's standing right over there. Yelling at cop. Honey, you want to grab those folks by the door and, and get me the number for steel management? Yeah, you can leave it by the phone. I finally get to yell at that asshole for good reason. Yeah, I'm going to get my guitar back. <laughs> There's your boy. Remember that night? Stevie Ray came in here and blew the roof off the house. Only man I knew that could drink me under the table. Whatever else he did was too dark for me. Seeing him try to escape his God-given self, it was painful. I don't know what changes in a man get right, but he did it. He did it. Then what? He crashes into the side of a fucking mountain. The good Lord needed one of the greatest guitar players in the world. Real quick. I asked you, is that fair? 
not to me. To God, yes. So it's forgiven. Tell me it's forgiven. That's going to be my first question to St. Peter. Where's Stephen Ray at? My second question is, where's Bob at? Uh, you see this fella here? His name is Folks. Now, he custom built this bar by hand, most likely with a gun to his head. He uh, owed perhaps some money. And this trap door down here was built for the bartender to escape. Yep. This little feature here, you need a gun at the ready, you flip these open, you shoot your shot. There's six of them, all built down this rail. Folks was smart. You could tell he built this stand as if his life depended on it, because he was a The story goes that he did for his life and trade. Now, I know how he felt. A prettiest jewel, ain't she? That is a 1938 Model 600 Wordlesson. The Peacock, one at 4 a.m. last call. Up pops the jack of clubs. I got myself straight flush. That's a good hand. I don't, I don't get those too often. <laughs> this big, big, big city dipshit came in here one night after an auction. You offered me a bundle. I said, "You sell me your wife, I'll sell you yours." <laughs> I sell you my wife. I discovered over the years that juke is my voice when I have nothing to say. When I can't say. Now, I bought in this fucking mechanical bull back in the 80s. Then I ripped it out that right quick. There was more trouble over that fucking thing than I could tell you. It was cursed. That thing cost me an arm and a leg and repairs, not to mention the bar fights. Women should not ride a cat. The slower the speed, the more dangerous it is. Period. I sold it to this guy a few years back. He put it in his place and it killed him. Nah, it didn't fuck him. You know? This woman was riding the thing where, you know, she created the scene. Curse, I tell you. Now, you're going to come in my house. You're going to have a good goddamn time. You look around, it's going to be dancing, drinking, laughing. Well, Cotton looks a little upset over there. That's because Lefty's just torn a new one. Well, he's going to be all right. She's going to give him a big fat kiss and slap on his ass. I can't stand a hang dog in my boy. I can't stand trouble. Now, someone said the trouble with trouble is that it starts out like fun until fun changes the rule mid-dance. I don't know who said it. It sounds true enough. Maybe I see. Now, now, dude, this is my whole life here. This, this is something I own and put my back into. You know, I, I'm loyal to it because it's family first. My, my granddaddy, then my daddy, now me. I'm not <coughs> telling you something. <coughs> Third generation just mean I was next in line for it. I couldn't do nothing else, really. 
what I didn't expect was the history, the ghosts. Wife taught me about all that stuff. Pieces of people, reminders, pictures, songs, stories. Songs. All the men in my family, they built this place right. I, I wanted to leave it to my nephew because he loved it. You know, he, he works hard, but he got bigger things. Now she twisted up tighter than a ranch's knot, but I, I think she gets it. She understands the, the give of this place. Uh, folks here, they rely on her. It's no use getting all hangdog about something you can't control. And trust me, no one anywhere wants to hear you bitch. Good Lord has a plan. Now, you pay attention to that plan. There's no reason you can't laugh your way all the way up to St. Peter. Now, I'm talking as a dying man. It's funny. I mean, this is good news for an officer. I, I mean, three years ago, I only had a year. So good, good Lord tapped on a couple of extras so I could take care of things. Have a little bit more fun. Figure out all the why me shit. Why me? Why me? Because that's why. Now, I didn't think a nail would be able to pick up running this place in here. Hell, it took it just a week to figure out how to keep the book. Another week to schedule the acts, old chief. She already owns the place. She's going to learn to run it. That's all she got to do. Just learn to run it without me. She'll be all right. Honey, why don't you hop up there and sing one of those songs for me? <laughs> she said D7. <laughs> uh, D7, that's Connie Francis on the Every time I ask her to sing, she put on D7. She used to sing all the time, and yeah, she won't do it now. You should hear though. She should sing. She just being a pain in the ass. She just wanted her way to go. She never loses sight of me or me. That's smart. See these keys here, these keys open every lock in this place. The two most important is this one, the cash register, and this one, the liquor room. You know what her biggest concern was? Toilet paper. I didn't get it. I thought, we're gonna fucking bat shit. Then it dawned on me, details. She's paying attention to the detail, making people comfortable. How am I supposed to know how much toilet paper they go through? You walk into my utility room back there and you have your answer. I would take a bullet for her. Have to. In fact, I asked her to shoot me on the regular. It would be quicker. She said, I shoot you out. 
Born in blazes, you get all the free tail in heaven. Forget it. You want to check out? You come to me. So I'm going out slow. Apparently. It don't hurt. It just makes you tired. Sick as hell. I know I look shot at and missed and shit on in here. I never was looking. Nell wants me in the hospital bed hooked up to wires and tubes. I did that years ago. It was no fun at all. There was no whiskey in the hospital, no music, there were no friends. There was no storytelling, no jokes. She had it. I have my way now. Nell! You get that number, honey? No, just leave it be. I, I told you, darling, it's important to me. Yes, I'm almost done. You know what? I'm fixing to get her to sing again. All I've done. All I missed done. All I took, I can plead and I can beg. She just played D7, D7, D7. I know down deep, once I go, she's gonna stand up there like a mountain. She's gonna sing that song. She's gonna sing that fucking song. She'll be madder than a hornet that I ain't here. She's gonna buck. She's gonna cry. And she's going to drink my best whiskey, probably with drunk on And she'll do it. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to seal it up. I want you to hold on to it. You mark my word. I'm coming back to my father. I'm going to haunt that one. I'm going to hold up with my juke. I'm going to hold on to I don't want her to feel sorry for herself. I just want her to feel sorry. Oh my goodness. Oh my, oh my goodness, goodness is right. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Oh that was beautiful. That was so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I'm beside myself. Oh my goodness. Thank I you so like... much. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jen liked it. I'm a Jennifer, crier. <laughs> Jennifer, it's such a beautiful say. it's such a beautiful piece. I mean it's it it's so rich. It, it's so rich in the and what's happening in that little piece of real estate at that particular time with those people. Uh, I really enjoyed reading it. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I, I've, I've never heard him alive. 
I never heard him alive. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm so moved. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah, there's so much drama, but comedy in it. There's, it's uh, all just sort of perfectly woven uh, together that way, emotionally, I think. We know how it feels after you've yeah. read it. Tony, we know how you felt reading it. So what we might just want to do is figure out how something that was primarily written for the stage might have, uh, might translate into something that we watch. I've certainly done it sometimes the hard way in my life. Um, so we just wonder how you would see it. If, if it, I know there are other characters that are mentioned in the piece. Do you see yourself building it out as a feature or do you see it uh, as a short film? Or if you've ever given any thought to it at all as on, on Yeah, camera. you know, I, I haven't. I only just imagined it as, as, a, as a stage piece. I imagined it as a, as a one-person uh, one show, either myself, you know, it was written for myself to do, and the, the, the companion piece is his wife. But of course, there's a way to cast another character and put him in dialogue. You know, as I'm listening to it, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, let me move that chunk, let me cut that, let me move that around. That's more image-based. We can see that in pictures, we can see that in a set, we can see that in costume. You know, I, I think because I love him so much and his story is, is so rich, I like, a, you know, a big fat close-up on his face, smoking, drinking, and the minimal amount of set work that you can do yeah. for, for interior and, and mood and tone, that kind of thing. Well, I'd have to say that just as an exercise, you know, what Jason and I do when, when people come to us and they say they, they have something that they want to make, they're talking on camera. And so sometimes those, those ideas or those pieces do start in the theater. Uh, so they're not designed to be filmed. Sometimes they're, they're written to be filmed and it still takes work to figure it out. So the, the fun brainstorm game is if we were to film this piece, how would we do it? And of course, there's always the what, what people want to do, have car right. chases, you know, right. have a shootout right. in the hospital or the subway. Right. Uh, <laughs> and there's, there's the things that we can do when we're not David Fincher. So if we were working together to make this, I would say probably first off, the bar is a character in, yeah. in, in this piece. Yeah. How can we do it without a bar? I would say Jason and I would normally suggest to a writer if you're gonna write something that you wanna film, start out by thinking, of course you have your, your stories and you have your characters, mm -hmm. but you, you have to think about where you have access to film. Right. So do you have a friend that, that runs a bar that can let you film that bar? Um, is that bar the right bar? You know, that's where I would start out and the problem solving then begins, no. Or maybe we could get one, but how do we work around only being able to be in there for two hours? whatever those limitations are. So I, th I think that'd be the first place I would start and, and thinking, okay, how can I tell this story if I don't have access to that bar? Right. That's a tough one, but I, I think it's totally possible because then you're thinking again, if Jason said this is a short film, the, the main story is, is, is really about this character who's coming to the end of his life and trying to reconcile with the things that he's done and, um, and, and kind of relive these stories. Where else could that happen? If it right, it might prompt you, you know, so we, we, we've produced so much based on what locations we have in our back pocket. And well, my, my brain just jumped to, well, you know, let's, let's put him in the hospital bed, let's make him a dying man, and let's have him 
be so drugged up and freaked out that he's that he thinks he's in his goddamn bar. That's a nice idea. I love and that it, idea. It, I, and it's, you know, it, it feels like it would be sterile. And then there's the part of me that's like, oh, but don't let go of the music and don't let go of the brick wall and the, you know, but for, for production purposes, I, you know, I just want the character and the piece to stand on its own. So that's my first fat, you know, let go an idea. I think that's a great possible idea. Again, no, no bad ideas in a brainstorm. The second one, again, just what we're talking about with, uh, with Tony a second ago is music licensing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love these characters. I love, I love these musicians, but how could we film this without having to license their music? Right. Or show their, show their images in the film, right? Because obviously we would see the pictures. I mean, one idea that Jason had was maybe we re recreate his memories. That, that's a fun possibility. Or it's, create fictional musicians or who are of that same. Fictional musicians, yeah. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, there would allow you. great musicians out there that aren't famous and could have music that you don't necessarily need to license or you, you know, it could be a more affordable arrangement than right. Johnny Cash's estate. Right. <laughs> I mean, you can't use images of Elvis. You can't use images of Stevie Ray Vaughan. So that's the question. What can you get away with and what can oh. you not get away with? And mm -hmm. if you don't want to hire a lawyer or, you know, do, do a lot of research, you play um, it safe. how can you tell the same story? I mean, Babe had a relationship with Bonnie Raitt. You know, he, Johnny Cash introduced him to his wife. These are amazing stories with amazing people that are known the world round. But if you're going to film it yourself, is there a way you can tell his story without having those characters? Sure. Again, it would be part of the brainstorming process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would want to find that jukebox. <laughs> that would right? be but man. I, mean, I love the idea of staying with the bar, I think, because the bar is sort of the metaphor for, for Babe's life. And um, one thing John and I chatted about was the overall narrative of the piece and how it could stand on its own um, without having to build out like a feature film if you didn't want to do that sort of a thing is and building a little more immediacy like what if it's the last day of the bar what if um, he's just finding these photos which mm -hmm. will bring a, a a different perspective for the character to just come across these things and um, what if you know if you had all the money in the world or maybe not even that much if while he's looking at the photos they come alive into footage so that um, you could shoot some of this stuff with characters and maybe you make it sepia toned or something. Now you're talking about a visual world that is being created. While he could still be talking in voiceover, we could be yeah. seeing these things come to life. Um, and maybe perhaps with a minimal budget. I mean, you're, still, you're not talking about a hugely expensive thing to get um, some people to, to shoot something, maybe make it outside or again, some location you have in your back pocket. Um, to sort of bring a new perspective to the story. Mm -hmm. I would say that when Jason and I work with people that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but this is our favorite part of working with people yeah. is Always. playing with their incredible stories and, and trying to envision how we can make it happen. And I think a lot of times when people have these great ideas, it's hard for them to get to that next step, which is how do you make it? And of course, this is a theater piece, so there is that that path, but this is a different path. And what are the uh, potential hurdles that you have to overcome to make this thing happen? Jen, you were saying that 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 
the other thing that happens is that you get inspired. You, you have all these other stories. You have a piece for Anel. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Would that be something maybe that would be filmed on its own or all of a sudden is this a series instead of a short film? What's it making you think? You know, I, I miss them terribly. So they're, they're very relieved to be out and about. I, like I said, it was, it was written for me to do it personally. So I'm happy to let that go and give it to other actors and make them alive in a different way. Anel's story is very different. It's a different scenario altogether, but it still is, you know, death and dying, loss and redemption. I'm tr that, that's actually, as I envision that, it's a more affordable, <laughs> it's a more affordable adventure. She's sitting in the backseat of a limo, you know, so. Well, again, I think one of the steps, if somebody does want to make something for a screen, whether that's a big screen, a little screen, mm -hmm. a digital screen, who knows these days? The, the fun is what are people going to see, right? How am I going to tell the story in a visual way? So it's obviously very different from doing something in the theater, what, what you can do, how you can tell a story. So if we just stick with Babe and his story in this bar, there are a, a lot of different ways you can do it. And what, what we were talking about a second ago, it really reminds me of uh, this book by Paul Oster. Should have looked it up before, before we talked because it did, it did pop into my head right before we were talking. I think it's called The Invention of Solitude. And anyway, the story is that his father has died suddenly and he's responsible for packing up the house. And he's, he, instead of photo, just photographs like Babe, Paul Oster is going through all these belongings of his father's and just exploring how we are our things sometimes, right? I mean, much of our lives, what, what is it that, that we identify with so strongly? I mean, Babe has a bar and, and a life in this bar that is three generations. That's something that most of us don't have, but he has all these items too that, you know, for me, the musical instruments are so fun, like the guitar, um, the drums, those things, the jukebox mm -hmm. and the, the key ring. So when you think about the difference between something on stage and, and something that would be filmed is those things do can become characters. You can have a close up of those things and watch those things have a life in, in certain ways. Uh, I mean, just the jukebox, the, the, the life of the jukebox. So there are just different possibilities, you know, for, for storytelling in that medium. Yeah, I think there's the, this great opportunity with it. I like the idea of letting it stand on its own with all your text, with all of that beautiful stuff that you've written and maybe just uh, harnessing it in this. If you were to find the perfect bar, can he deliver a chunk of it behind the bar and then sitting there um, where a, a patron would sit, um, is he in the liquor room? Is he in the bathroom for part of it? Like to, to move, to make it move. Right. And I really like, you know, is this his last confession? Is this his last day, not only at the bar, but of his life? Mm -hmm. And John had um, asked something earlier too, when we were chatting about it, like, is he thinking of taking his own life? Is he thinking oh. of just getting to the end of it? Did that, did that occur to you at all, Tony, while you were? Uh, um. No, that, that particular thing did not occur to me, but it's all in coming to terms. You know, we all expect to die at some point. It's when people start telling you, you've got this much time left. You yeah. know? And then it becomes, I got an approximate date when I'm going now. Now everything is all out of whack and you have to deal with that and coming to terms. But here he has, he's outlived that, that, that term for two years. Yeah. So now he's like in this, it's almost like he's in between what was expected 
of him to die, and he's still going. He doesn't know how long it could go a day. It could go another six months. So he's in a, like a limbo in this uh, in-between world. I think it opens it up for discussion as to how he chooses to finish this off. Does mm-hmm. he choose to finish it off by just going buck wild and just doing the stuff he's always wanted to do? Or maybe does he feel that he owes Anel that time that he took away from her with all his indiscretions before? Is it makeup time? You know, so it's, that's, these are the, the questions he has to ask himself how he wants to spend this time. Mm-hmm. I don't I think he's thinking about taking his life. I never thought about that angle of him taking his, taking his own life. But Tony, that's beautiful that he's kind of in between. I mean, maybe yeah. he, he, had a, he had a year and two got tacked on and maybe he's thinking, you know what? I bet I can kick this thing. I can probably, I got two years and why not four more? Why not 10 more? You know, yeah. I haven't, I think he's in his, I'd put him between 60 and 70. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know, you know, uh, he doesn't know. I mean, but he says he was sick before he was in the hospital, you know, mm-hmm. so he knows uh, he can get back to that, but not so much now, you know, he's just sick and tired now. So it's a lot of, lot of, lot of areas to explore there. A lot of areas. Yeah. And another interesting possibility might be if Duke and Cotton and Anel, if all these people have already gone on and he finds himself uh, um, sort of imagining them, uh, mm-hmm. that they're still there, um, mm-hmm. which might push him to, might push to some sort of um, ambiguous yet satisfying ending of the story that uh, maybe he's contemplating something or going well, what about What about the twist? What about... We see that, and then at the end, we find out this was all his imagination, and he is in the hospital bed. Mm. And he just imagined all of those things. But like he's that. getting ready, and at the end, they come in and he dies, you know, because he just imagined all of this before he died. That would be, that would be wild. Well, I think it does bring me back to what you were talking about a minute ago, Tony, which is, to me, I, I wonder, what is the main thing that Babe wants right now? these stories, these characters, this place is so rich and alive. But if there's a primary drive, what is it? What's, and then, and then you know, you mentioned the surprise twist at the end, right? So that's the arc of the story. Here we are, it, today's the day. Why? We don't know. Did, is it because he found the pictures today? Is it because he's closing the bar today? And what is it that he wants to, it sounds like he's near the end potentially. So if there's one last thing he wants to do, it, it does sound like he wants forgiveness. Mm-hmm. He, wants re- he wants redemption and forgiveness. I was just going to say redemption. Redemption. And he also, he also wants, he doesn't, there's, I mean, I have to get more specific about it going back through, but he, he wants so badly to be forgiven and bring his wife back to where she was at in her career and her singing career that he's going to, he, I think he makes the decision right in the moment to hole up in the jukebox and haunt her. Oh my God, I didn't think that this was a possibility. I get to haunt her. I can be a ghost. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to come back as a ghost. So his primary goal is to get his wife to sing again. That mm-hmm. is a sign that she's forgiven him. Yep. And, and the only way he's going to do it is if he comes back as a ghost and he's holed up in the jukebox and he gets to, he gets to, she presses D7 and she sings it. And he's like, good, at least I can, I can pass yeah. over. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he's convinced that's the only way that she will sing is when he's yep. gone. Yep. You know, yeah. because she's not, because of all the things that he did, she's purposely not singing. She's not, she's playing D7. So when he goes, 
who knows that she is going to sin. Right. Is, is it clear yeah. that the infidelity is as, is as grave as it is? I was trying to play with more specificity of his. So it sounds, friend. did he have an affair with Bonnie Raitt, the way that it's written? It looks. No, he had a, he had an, oh, well. That's there was another singer. Yeah, there, there was, was another, another singer. Yeah. And in my, in my daydream about it, it was, you know, it almost ended their marriage. It was one of those women that was like a, a young Car a Carrie Underwood, you know, like she was going to be this, she just came out swinging. And he was, he was fostering her career because she was this young, pretty thing. And babe, uh, Anel is a, is a big, ugly woman. I mean, like a big Patsy Cline, like, you know, not attractive, but a voice like a, a brick shithouse, you know? So he paid more attention to lining his pockets and getting this Carrie Underwood-like creature to, to give him some fame too. And all the while, Anel was like, are you shitting me? <laughs> like, so that it was it wasn't just that infidelity it was career it was also career, career path mm -hmm. wow now you really made me want, want to see a feature film of this, <laughs> this <story. laughs> yeah that is not a short film i know uh, but but that's you know that's that's always one of the first questions too and, and and none of the stuff was ever written in stone is it a short film is it a series is it a feature film it, you know the story usually tells you a, as you write it might change as you film. It might change. That's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, developing, develop, I have a, a collaborator. We developed a, a, a series pilot, a drama that, you know, it took a good, it took a good year to get the first draft. And then in the brainstorming process and the development process of a pilot into a season, into ongoing seasons, it was, you know, the mental energy of that. Yeah, it's fun yeah. as hell, but and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, this is, I don't see this as a series. <laughs> this one, this one, right. Well, actually, what like, I was going like, to say is that if you've written these monologues and they live like that, that then your series could be a series of these monologues that you shoot yeah. in this way that uh, might be consistent or they might have a different tone and feel to them with each new um, character that you present, but they could all relate to each other so that you are getting sort of the backbone of a series without having to do the production and development that's required for a typical series. You can make it anything you want as long as the storyline is there. Yeah. And that's yeah. very, that's what I love about digital storytelling. It's very liberating. You can make it anything you want. It doesn't have to be what, what Hollywood or anyone else has said that a typical series generally is. And if this stuff is already in your computer, it might just take a tweak way of how you would produce the story to get it out there to the world to make it. Yeah, yeah. I just like the, I like the idea of the simplicity. I like the idea of, of the storytelling, just the, you know, not, a friend of mine recommended these BBC sessions. I forget the title of it. I just, I jotted it down. Anyway, so I, I like that simplicity also for production value, but I don't know how it's gonna, I don't know how it's gonna look. And as the writer and I'm sure the actor, is like, oh man, I don't want to give up Stevie Ray Vaughan. I don't want to give up Elvis. I don't, you know, I can, I can do that, but then it feels like I'm, I'm cheating a little bit, which is fine. It's just a, a big compromise to therapize. You know, it seems, it, and I know it can seem that way, but then it might bring a happy accident. It might bring yeah. you into a place where if you uh, were to take a, a character that's like Elvis and you create it yourself, maybe then you've created another part of your series with, and you have, uh, total agency over it. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 
Well, yeah. guys, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. That was and thank you for sharing your work with us. And if you feel compelled to after ingesting all of this stuff, yeah. uh, send more. Oh my God, I'm, I'm over the moon. This has just been so enlightening and uplifting. Tony, you did him justice above and beyond what I could expect. I'm, I'm so sure. grateful. Jennifer, so grateful. Don't, don't hesitate to reach out. You know what I'm I mean, you're a creative person. I love your writing. It was, uh, Thank you. I mean, when I, I just, when I read through it a couple of times, I said, who is this person that's writing? Oh, you're, you're you gotta be, you gotta be much older than what you are because there's a soulfulness about the relationship between the two, the two, uh, Enel and, uh, you know, and Dave. And it's just a wonderfully written piece. Congratulations. Really nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so dear. All right, guys. Okay, thank you.